Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Um, We're going to celebrate Good Friday with God's Word, and we're going to share it, and we want to encourage you in the short period of time that we have you, and we want you to gather something from this that will resonate within your heart. I've always taught and and, uh, led our family and our children and other advised other pastors at times, young pastors, about the sermons that we preach and the lessons that we teach. Many times people, we forget about the sermons we hear, but we never forget the Spirit of God that was in that moment. You'll never forget that anointing that's in that atmosphere, that moment, that that literally enables you to touch and engage, and it changes your life. So how many times can you recall a moment that God touched you in your life? Raise your hand. Can you recall moments? If I asked you to give me the best three sermons that you've ever heard in your life, it would take you three hours probably to figure it out. But I've ever asked you for top three moments that God's ever touched you, you can rattle them off very quickly because it's hard to forget a touch from God. It's hard to forget. Relationships are key. You can right now recall the top three, the top five relationships that have changed your life, and you can spit them out very quickly. What God intended for us from the very beginning of time was to have a relationship with him through an experience. God's greatest desire, I believe, with all of my heart was to form man, someone in the likeness of his image that he could have a relationship with. And he did that through Adam and Eve. And then when Adam and Eve allowed sin to come in, men were separated from God in an intimate way. The Spirit of God was lifted because of sin, not because God hated humanity after they failed. God still loved humanity. But for centuries, we look at this, and now we recognize that the entire time since the fall, God had a plan to restore us back into the place with him. When you look up the word in the name Adam, Adam is not a singular name. It's actually a plural expression in the Hebrew language. Adam means many, many of creation. So we are in the image of God, but we are offsprings of Adam. And so when you look at this, it was an expression that God had from the beginning. There's going to be more. God gave commandment, and he did say, multiply, grow, be fruitful. But there was only one way that God could step into this world. He had to become an Adam. And so he stepped into this world in flesh, and Jesus is called the second Adam according to the New Testament scriptures. And that second Adam, he didn't offer another animal he gave himself so I'm going to read you something here in Isaiah 53 1 through 7 and hopefully they have the entirety of it there we go I want you to listen to this with me this is the prophet Isaiah speaking of Jesus and the time that he would come into this world and pay that price and it says who has believed our message to whom has the Lord revealed this his powerful arm My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground, and 
There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. In other words, Jesus came very lowly. Jesus came very humbly. But he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. He turned, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. This is prophetically speaking of that one intense moment in Jesus' life where he would give it all for us, yet we would turn our backs on him. And we read the story. We see this. All the disciples left. Yet it was our weakness, verse 4, he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought, and we, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. Think about that right there. He was beaten so we could be whole. That is speaking of in your entirety of your being from body, soul, and spirit. And God knew the only way that you can be made whole is that the inner man, your spirit man, and your heart and your emotions had to be healed first before your body could be healed. So God did more than just go to the cross for our physical healing. God shed his blood for your spiritual healing also. Wholeness. How many of you are whole this Friday afternoon? You feel whole in your spirit. He was whipped so we could be healed. He... All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid him on the sins of us all. He laid on him the sins of us all. And he was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. And I'll tell you why he never said a word. Because he had already said everything that he needed to say. But now his actions would prove his word. And what he did for us spoke volumes. Because in that droplet of blood from the very first strike in Pilate's hall of judgment, that blood would fall to the ground and would do all the talking. The scripture says that God heard the blood of Abel when he was killed by Cain. And God said, your brother's blood cries out to me, what have you done? In the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says that how much more shall the blood of Jesus speak of things concerning our redemption? And the blood of Jesus cried out, I've paid a price. I am who I said I was. I'm going to do what I said I would do. And nothing and no one can stop it. I'm going to stop right there. and Let's go ahead and get into the message. And you can stay here, Haley, if you like. We're not going to be long. But just for this one moment, I want to talk to you about the good in a, in a bad Friday. The good in a bad Friday. You don't have to play. You can just sit there, baby. Thank you. The good in a bad Friday. God in his wisdom, God in his infinite wisdom, he knew exactly what he was doing when he made you and I. He knew exactly 
why the scripture had said how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. Such an intricate part of, of this life in Christ has to do with our makeup and how he made us. It's almost like a mirror reflection how God structured this body, put it together with every component and system. It's almost a direct reflection of how things work out in the spirit. For example, did you know that, that you can function without a heart, your own heart, that they have made artificial hearts? Did you know that when people go into surgery, that they take artificial hearts, if you're having heart surgery, and allow that to pump the blood? Did you know that you could live without your liver and have a liver replacement? Did you know that you can live without your own kidneys and have a kidney replacement or donated to you? The body can survive without a certain organ and be replaced with another, but did you know the body cannot survive without the blood? There are blood transfusions and things that have to take place, but even then the body take the blood out and there is really no survival, no rate, high rate, no survival at all without that precious blood. Why? Well, because the scripture says the life is in the blood. Scientifically, now we, now we understand through people and studies that the blood, our own blood, carries the ability to protect us by something called our immunity. In that blood, we have the ability to to have access to white blood cells and things that fight for us to keep us. And then the blood, in the blood, this, this mysterious liquid <laughs> inside our being has the ability to heal. So it protects and it has the ability to heal when you have a, 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 an injury outside of your body or inside your body. The blood begins to clot and begins to form and it begins to send oxygen. It carries oxygen as well. So the blood not only protects, heals, but it also provides and gives life. And oxygen is carried throughout the entire body. I, I've done the study on blood, and I can tell you there are so many attributes, and it's so fascinating. But every one of our organs, every one of the parts of our body requires one thing in order for it to survive and to function properly. From our skin, to our endocrine system, to our nervous system, to our every system. Blood is required. That blood houses everything. Our blood houses everything, every nutrient necessary. It has the oxygen, has the protection, has the immunity, has everything for us. In the body of Christ, if we look at our own body as a church, the one thing that keeps us all alive and our differences and our giftings to the scripture, it says like this as well, that one person, you know, not everyone can be the hands, not everyone can be the feet, not everyone can be a certain part, but we are all different. But the one thing we have to have in common in order for us to function properly is the blood of Jesus. The blood is so significant. In that blood, God protects. In his blood, he heals. In his blood, he gives us life. In that blood, 
he wards off. The devil is afraid of the blood because it does something he can't do. It wards off his infection and his, all his tactics. It, it brings life. And more than that, you start to recognize the pattern now, now why God required blood to be shed. Why did God require blood to be shed in the very beginning? Even if you look very closely at the fall of Adam and Eve, when they failed, guess what they did? When they failed, they went and got leaves to try to cover up their nakedness. But God said, what, you, what I've created and what you have at your disposal isn't good enough. You're going to need something better than that, something stronger, something to signify the life that was taken from you, and that's the life of another thing. That's why I believe God created animals as an example. So the scripture says that God clothed Adam and Eve with the skins of animals, and therefore the blood was shed. They knew this principle from the very beginning. They understood this principle. But I've learned that if we never teach our children properly and our families properly of what the blood really is and what the blood really does, then we'll lose a generation. Yeah. Do you know what the irony of that is? Is that their children inherited their nature and they also inherited the instruction. Because when you look at Cain and Abel, Cain brought something similar to God. That was used by his mother and father. He brought produce. He brought something that he produced, something that would be something that he grew. But yet the other boy, Abel, he knew. He said, I, I, I remember. I remember mom and dad telling us about the blood. I remember mom and dad telling us how God clothed them with the animal. He heard something. All of our children will inherit the duality of our nature. The humanity part, we don't have to teach them how to do certain things. We never, when I was little, no one taught me how to lie. No one taught me how to be mischievous. It was in my nature. There are certain things I inherited from my mother and father that, that I'm not proud to say, but, but, but they had a lot of good as well. But the only good thing about my life now is the inherited spirit of God in my life and the nature of God that turns things around. We are always going to deal with that nature in our life, the thought process. So Cain and Abel are kind of like what we deal with every day, the natural man and the new man, the old man and the new man. And every day we've got a choice of whether we're going to use what we have in our disposal, we're going to depend on our own intellect and our own ways and our own thought processes to see our lives and our families be blessed, provided for, and dependent on our own skills. Or we're going to just go back to the basics and recognize that we need the blood in our life. We need the blood in order to proceed and go any further. We need the blood to, for, in order for God to be pleased with what we do and how we do it. And, and therein lies the challenge, is to understand the concept of the blood and understand that it's not a religious jargon. Of, uh, uh, it's, it's not just a... a, a a thing in the church. It is one of the most powerful revelations and understandings concerning God. 
Not very many people talk about the blood because they simply lack the importance of it. But here, I'm telling you here today that the blood of Jesus was so important that the very last thing he conveyed to his disciples before all the, 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 the persecution, before he would, would go in and face the cross, the very last thing Jesus said to them was, behold, this represents the blood. When he took the wine, he gave it as an example and said this, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, never forget its power. Never forget the benefits. Never forget what this can do. And on top of that, this bread, it represents my body that will be broken. And he said, don't forget this neither, because what you're fixing to experience and see through my life vicariously, you can live through me. You can live through me in every area. I don't know if that's a proper verbiage, but this is what I do know is that we don't have to go through the exact experiences Jesus went through, but by faith, we have all the benefits. By faith, we have all of the benefits of what happened to him. The good that what happened on that bad day was the blood. The only good thing about a Good Friday was the fact that when Jesus went and took that first lashing, when they scarred him, when they cut him, when they beat him, the only good thing about that bad day was the blood that was spilt, that was shed, that was sprinkled. And there was a trail that was given from Pilate's Hall all the way up Golgotha's Hill. And in that moment, that blood trail, you can see that blood trail, in fact, from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation. You can find that it's there. You can look at God setting up his systems in the earth and means of worship to keep humanity close to him. That's why God gave Moses the plans to the tabernacle. It was a system that was all encompassed around the blood and the animals that they brought in. It was an integral part of his relationship to humanity. But in our humanity, we failed the system. And God said, not anymore. You're not going to fail like you did in the past. You're not going to lose the kingdom again. In fact, I'm going to make sure this by putting the kingdom inside of you and using the blood to keep you safe from harm and using the blood from stopping your body, the body of Christ, from being infectious to any of sin's diseases. The blood the blood has immunity to all sin. By simply us referring to it and remembering it and saying, though I fall, I shall arise. The blood gives us faith to say things such as, though he slay me, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, Though I have turmoil in my life, even though I've sinned, the blood has the ability to heal, to protect, to build, and to ward off everything else. And all you're going to see later may just be a scar, but that scar can't stop me from proceeding forward, and I will not lose my place in this kingdom. 
God said, I'm going to put something greater inside of you. I'm going to place my spirit inside of you, which was a type of the life. This is what made Jesus' blood so significantly different than anyone else's in the entire world. You know, every one of those shepherds, I'm totally off course right now. This is none of my notes. But what made every animal that was brought to that tabernacle acceptable was the condition of the blood in that animal. And how could you tell what the condition of the blood was? Because every outside part of the coat, every part of their skin that was visible, everything that you could see from their eyes to the hoofs, everything, it was the, if there was any deformity, it was because the blood was impure. The blood not only carries good things, but the blood carries bad things that can spread. And so it was so significant from that time. And people had to raise their animals. People had to raise them for years. And once a year, they would bring it to the priest after spending so much work on feeding them. Some of you that are in 4-H or have farm animals are part of the co-op, whatever. You understand what I'm talking about. I had no idea chickens eat so much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And they'll eat anything. They l I don't want to get off on another subject. But they love spaghetti. But anyhow, <laughs> I had no idea how much work went into this. Can you imagine what Israel went through? The millions of Israelites that had to raise an animal per family to bring it every year. And it had to be right because that was their dependence. It depended on their safety. It depended on their prosperity. It depended on the acceptance of God being acceptant of their offering. And they had to, it was a big deal. But God said, you know, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body, he said in the book of Hebrews, you had prepared. And God sent his son, and this is what happened. God brought, it was B-Y-O-L, bring your own lamb. God said, I'm coming down, but I'm bringing my own lamb. I've been raising this one since he was an infant. He's been with me from the beginning of time. He has no sin in his life, and he is never going to sin in his life. Even when he walks among you, he will not touch anything that will defile him. He will be pure, and that's why Isaiah said he will grow up as a tender green shoot. That means that he would be pure and green and he would be acceptable and yet without sin. But yet we treated him like he had sinned and was the worst of sinners. The proof was there at Pilate's Hall when the people cried out, loose and give us Barabbas and you can take Jesus. They treated an innocent man like he was guilty. But in the paradox of life, I have to tell you that I thank God for that moment, and I thank God they chose Barabbas, and I thank God that Jesus went and paid the price for us because now you and I are here. 
And because he was stricken and he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed only because of the blood. That's what Good Friday is all about is to remember that you and I are here because Jesus, the Lamb of God. Someone say the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God was taken. Even his cousin, even his cousin John the Baptist looked at Jesus. And listen, they grew up together. They grew up together. They were cousins. But when he saw him at full age, a time for God to show him off. And he walked in this world. He had kept him isolated up to this time. But when it was time to show, he walked him out. And as Jesus walked on this earth, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. I don't know what John saw because the scripture says that Jesus wasn't even good to look at. He is nothing nothing beautiful about him, nothing impressive, impressive about him, impressive. And, but I, I just have to believe that somehow, some way, that the spirit of God that was on John enabled him to have insight to the life of Jesus. And he saw a man without sin. He saw a man that was pure at heart. He saw a man that had an anointing. And the, I, the irony of that moment is that when John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, John follows up and says, but I knew him not. Even John didn't know. The devil didn't know. The devil tried to get it out of him, but Jesus would not tell him. And the reason why God had to hide the purity of his spirit and heart from the world is because God had a plan. The scripture says it like this. If the devil knew that Jesus was who he said he was. They would have never crucified him. But can you imagine the repercussions and what it was like in hell when that one drop fell to the ground? Can you imagine what happened? I know what happened on the earth when he took that last breath and he said, it is finished. I know what happened. The scripture says that after he said that, that there was an earthquake. Now think about this for one moment. An earthquake. It shook the whole earth. And the top of the tabernacle and the veil was ripped from top to bottom. It was so strong. I can only imagine that that was nothing more than the catastrophic event that happened in hell, what we could not see, and how hell was shaken in that one moment, and it began to begin to vibrate, and it began to bring its percussions to the, to the top of the earth and everything, and it was things that were below the earth that caused the earth to quake. It was in that moment that the power of the blood of Jesus was exemplified in this world, 
And if you want to know how powerful the blood is, you need to reference that one moment and say, my God, the blood is powerful. The blood can move mountains. The blood can move the earth. The blood can fight hell. The blood can fight against my family. For my family, my, the blood of Jesus is capable of doing everything. If you need a healing in your body, have faith in the blood. If you need a miracle in your life, have faith in the blood. If you need God to deliver your family, have faith in the blood. Because the devil is scared of the blood. Why? Because the devil remembers that day when that earth began to shake and Jesus went down to the corridors of darkness. It remembers the power and the authority that Jesus had that day. And don't think he'll ever forget. So when you're facing problems and you're in a situation and you've got your back against the Red Sea and Egyptians are facing you, you need to remember Passover and need to know and remember that it was the blood that brought us out of captivity. It was the blood that helped us get through the waters. It was the blood that set my family free free it was the blood it was that one bad day that makes every good day work for me someone say this say one bad day made every day work for our good that's the only point we've got today one bad day made every day work out for our good i'm closing with this scripture come on Haley, you can play Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know. Someone say, I know. You can stand if you want to. This Holy Ghost is standing. I can feel him standing. And we know that God causes. Here's something you've got to get in your vocabulary. Everything. I'm going to stop right there for one moment. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, let me, let me help you understand this. Let me show you what that means. God causes everything to work together for my good. That means that even the perpetrators... Even the enemy, yes. even the thieves, even those that cause the problem, God will force them to stop and cooperate with the blood and angels and the word of the Lord. And everything bad that they do to you will work out for your good. What did... What did Joseph say to his brothers? Joseph said to his brothers, after he went through all his calamity, he said, what the devil meant for evil. God, God, someone say God. God meant for good. That's what makes a good Friday significant in our life. A good God who causes everything to work for our good. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them to be like his son. So when you look at Jesus, everything that worked out for him, listen, remember to be like Jesus. Okay, 
Let's look at Jesus. There was never a disease he couldn't heal. There was never a devil that can stop him. There was never a situation that God didn't give and impart wisdom to him. And everything that caused him to live triumphantly was because of what was inside of him. The devil could not touch Jesus because Jesus never allowed him in his diet. I don't know if you caught that or not. You see, what you eat ends up in your blood. Jesus had a pure diet, you see. That's why, oh boy, God's just dropping some things. This isn't even my sermon. You remember when they went to Samaria? Jesus said, I, I got to go to Samaria. Let me tell you why I think one of the reasons why. Because he was hungry spiritually. And there was a woman there. That's just a thought. Think about this for one moment. Because they were hungry. They were all hungry. And then the rest of the disciples went into town and they got food. And they came back after Jesus ministered to the woman. And Jesus said, it's okay, I'm not hungry now. And they said, who fed him? Did somebody give him something to eat? Jesus said, I have food to eat you know not of. In other words, that's really what Jesus lived on. He lived on doing the will of God, and that was, in his, that was in his blood. That's what was in his blood and his DNA and who he was. That's one of the reasons why Jesus fasted so much, because he was frail. What do you think? He was wore out through the crucifixion and the whipping, but he needed help carrying his cross as well. I don't know if Jesus was muscular, tall, head and shoulders above the rest. I don't think he was. I think Jesus was frail, like the scripture said, nothing good to look at. A man that really didn't look like he should be the guy, kind of like David. But never judge a book by its cover. Never judge someone by what you see on the outside. Because even David, through the prophet's eyes, he said, surely the prophet said that, that, that couldn't be him. Every look at his brothers. And God said, men look on the outward, but God sees the heart. And I think the strength of Jesus was all about his spirit and his heart and who he was. And I think that's why so many had a problem because there probably were other leaders that were head and shoulders and they had degrees and they had, they had, they had doctrine, you know, they had their religious law, they had the public behind them, they had the influence in their society. But when Jesus came in, all he had was God. And that wasn't good enough for everybody else. But to those who had a heart for God and for those who saw God and for those who were hungry and those that were in desperation, for those that needed healing, for those that needed saving, for those that needed deliverance, they knew who Jesus was. If they didn't know, they were going to find out. They were going to understand that it was the power that was inside of him that was unleashed in the world. We're going to give you a chance and an opportunity to be renewed in your faith right now. If you're here in this morning and you need this afternoon and you need to recommit yourself, if you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus, the blood is available by faith today. It was already shed. It was already spilt. It was already given. And all you've got to do is start to recognize it and say, it was for me. He was bruised for my iniquity, for my transgression. He was troubled so I could have peace of mind. 
but it was the blood. Just take ownership today and accept it because that's the price. Can we all do that right now by lifting up our hands and saying, Father, we, we accept it. Thank you. Thank you. If you understand this, then begin to worship him because of it and tell him, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the sacrifice. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's all I need. In the blood is life. The life is in the blood. You see, the Spirit of God was in the blood of Jesus. He got his blood from his Father in heaven. I can't get into the medical aspects of it right now, but it's a proven fact that when a baby is born, the one thing it needs is the blood from its Father. And Jesus was not born like you and I. He had his heavenly Father's blood inside of him. It was his Spirit, and that was intermingled with his own chemistry. And this is what made him so awesome and so powerful And he did one thing. He kept himself and gave himself for you today. Somebody love on him right now and just tell him I love you so much. Just love on him right now and tell him I love you so much. Just lift your hands and close your eyes and say, I love you so much. Hallelujah. Let's just love on him. Tell him. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We love you today. That's what I feel that the Spirit of God desires to do. It desires to cleanse you. If you've been dealing with sin, just tell him, forgive me. The scripture says that if any confess their sin, that the blood will cleanse us of that sin. Tell him, forgive me. Forgive me for doing things my own way when you have a way. And then just begin to celebrate him and tell him, Lord, I thank you. Thank him ahead of time and say, God, thank you for delivering my family. Thank you for delivering me from my addictions. Even if you don't feel like you've been delivered, you need to just begin to confess it by faith and watch what will happen with what comes out of your mouth on a consistent basis, God will honor your faith and tell them, thank you right now. Thank you for fighting my battles. Thank you for fighting for my family. Thank you for fighting for my ministry. Thank you for fighting for my business. Thank you for fighting for my children. Thank you, dear Lord, for advancing me in the will of God. Thank you for not allowing any snares from the fowler. Thank you for not allowing any entrapments from the devil. Thank you, God, for exposing every one of the tactics of the enemy. Thank you right now. Somebody say it. I've got the blood on my side. I've got the blood inside of me. I'm nothing and no one can stop me from fulfilling the will of God. My family will come to God. My entire family will be saved. My entire friendship around a group of people that I love dearly, I pray right now. I just say, God, cover them. The blood was shed for them. I claim it for them right now. And I say, God, begin to work in their lives. Begin to work, God. Begin to do your bidding. Begin it right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. How many of you feel the authority of God in this place right now? Before we go, here's what you're going to do. You need to confess it out with your mouth. You need to just let it go. Whatever it is that's in your life that needs a turnaround. 
whatever it is that you're battling, whatever it is you need God to move in, you need to confess it out loud right now and say, in the blood of Jesus, I speak over these things right now. Come on, everybody. Don't be ashamed. Say it right now. Where do you need God to move? Where do you need God to work on your behalf? Say it right now. If it's your marriage, then say it. If it's a relationship, then say it. If it's your finances, then say it. If it's your mind, then claim it. Then begin to speak it. But you must believe it because the price has been paid. Say it today. Say it today. A truly repented heart will make you prepare to receive the baptism of the Spirit of God as well. If that's what you desire, then receive it by faith today. In the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost in this house right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing right now. 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 Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.